Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Ian was asked by the local funeral home director if he would come and play his bagpipe at the memorial service of a homeless man who had no family or friends. And Ian said, of course, I'd be honored. Great, said the funeral home director, and he gave him directions to the remote rural cemetery out in the countryside, and this man was to be the first one buried in this new cemetery. That day, Ian grabbed his bagpipe and set out for the cemetery, but he got lost. So much so that he was late. And when Ian arrived at the cemetery, the hearse was nowhere to be seen, but he could see the backhoe and three of the workers sitting next to the pile of dirt in the hole. So he got his bagpipe out and he started walking toward the backhoe. When he got there, he could see the lid had already been placed on what appeared to be the vault. And he spoke to the workers and he apologized for being late. And he said, if you would humor me, I think the right thing to do would be to play some music in honor of this occasion. And they nodded and said, okay, go ahead, whatever. And they continued eating their lunch and Ian began to play. And he played two, three, four hymns, finishing with amazing grace. And then he lowered his head and he bowed, offering respect. And he said, thank you. And he turned and walked toward his car. As he was getting to his car, taking off his coat, he heard one of the gentlemen behind him, and he said, Sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I've never seen nothing like this before, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. They're not all good. Hopefully the sermon will be better. (laughs) We've all heard the jokes made over Christopher Columbus. They like to say that when he set out on the journey, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he got home, he didn't know where he had been. And while that all may be fine and true, God knew. God knew. And God knew because God had a plan for America. In his book, The Light and the Glory, Peter Marshall, of Hollywood Squares fame, you remember that show, I'm sure, gives us over a hundred instances where God intervened into the founding and establishing of this great country we live in called the United States of America. Today I'm going to share just a couple with you in order to convince you that America was God's plan. And then to tell you why God helped found and blessed America. What was the end to be? I want to begin on October 9th of 1492 with Martin and Vincent Pinzone. They were brothers. They were ship captains. 
and they had called a special meeting in the captain's private quarters aboard the Santa Maria. You see, they were captains of the Pinta and the Nina, but they had great concerns. And so Columbus agreed to meet with them privately in his own quarters. And there they said, we don't know if you know this, but the morale of the men is incredibly low. And the possibility of mutiny is incredibly high. And we've been sailing west for 31 days and seen nothing but water. And we're here to beg you to turn around. Columbus thought for a moment and he prayed for a moment. And then he offered them a counter proposal. He begged, give me three more days. Three more days, and if we don't find land, I promise you we'll all turn around all three ships and head home. It was the third day. It was the afternoon. There was about two hours of sunlight left. When the cry went up from the crow's nest, Land ho! And everyone turned and shouted. Arms went up. Embraces began to take place between stinky men who didn't really like each other. But they were so excited. And all rejoiced except for Columbus who fell on his knees and offered a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Because you see, the journey had almost ended in failure. But before they turned around, Columbus went back and he read his journals. He read some of the entries that had gotten him to that place to begin with. And he reminded himself of Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6, which he felt the Lord had laid upon his heart and had been his calling for this task. For God had provided Christian sponsorship for this journey and Christian crew leaders for this journey. And he was so sure it was of God. And they were so close to turning around. When they went ashore, they placed a huge cross in the sand. And everyone knelt. No one stood in protest. Everyone knelt. And Columbus offered the following prayer, and I quote, Everlasting God, thou hast created the heavens and the earth. Glory to your name. And we praise you, O Majesty, that you have deigned to use us, your humble servants, that your holy name be proclaimed in this second part of the world. You see, Columbus firmly believed that God had a special plan for America. And he named that island San Salvador, which means Holy Savior. He didn't know where he was, but God did. Columbus said, come, because he felt God had called him. In his journal, he wrote these words. When others heard about my dream, my vision, and my calling, they laughed and ridiculed. But it was the Lord himself who guided our ships. Read his journal, it's really clear. He felt God called him, God directed him, and it was toward the end of spreading the gospel in this new world. Now Columbus didn't really know where he was, but God knew. And Columbus was just the beginning. 
Fast forward 150 years. A group of Christians in England were persecuted by the Church of England, the Anglican Church, because they sang enthusiastically. They prayed fervently. And get this, they dared to believe that Jesus Christ was the only head of the church. So the Church of England, England kicked them out. Curtin, I know what that's like. All 1,000 of them kicked out. Their pastor, John Robinson, immediately called for a three-day prayer meeting. So they gathered together under the open air in tents, and they prayed, and they fasted for three days. And at the end of this three-day prayer meeting, the leaders got together to share their ideas and their feelings, and it was unanimous. They felt God was calling them to start a Christian colony in the New World. So they took up an offering at the end of this three-day prayer meeting, and they all contributed, knowing that they could only purchase one ship, and only a hundred of them could go. So Pastor Robinson stayed behind to tend to the 900. William Bradford was chosen to lead the 100. And a few weeks later, when they gathered at the port of Delfshaven for the send-off, it was really a commissioning. All thousand showed up. They laid hands upon and sent out in the name of Christ to the mission field, these hundred which had been chosen to go to America. Robinson prayed, and now I'm summarizing. God, lead them. Bless them and use them in the expansion of your kingdom in this new world. Now, friends, the pilgrims succeeded when dozens before them and dozens after them failed. Why did they succeed? Let me offer you two possible reasons, two God-given reasons. Reason number one, the area God led them to turned out to be perfect. There were four natural springs. There was fertile soil. The fields were cleared already. There was an open space providing protection. And most importantly, there was no Indian opposition. Because just the year before, the fierce tribe that lived on this site all died from a plague. Because the Indian tribes surrounding them were superstitious, none of them dared go on to this property where the Pawtucket tribe had lived. Secondly, the next spring, God intervened again when waltzing in the town were two English-speaking Indians. Their names were Samoset and Squanto. Squanto had been taken as a slave 10 years before from the Pawtucket tribe back to England as a slave. In England, he learned English. In England, he became a Christian as he worked in a Christian monastery for 10 years to the point where he purchased his own freedom he then hitchhiked a ride on a ship back to America. But when he arrived, his tribe, the Pawtuckets, were all gone. They had died in the plague. So he hung out with his best friend, Samoset. He taught him English and shared his Christian faith. 
So into town in year one walks Samoset and Squanto. They see these English Christians and have pity on them. They feel like God sent them to help these helpless pilgrims survive in the new world. Bradford would later call them two special instruments sent by God. The pilgrims likened themselves to Columbus in that Isaiah 49 verses 1 through 6 was their calling card, their theme. They too felt called by God, not just to be missionaries, but to establish a Christian colony in the new world for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God had been their strength and they were to be his light. Bradford wrote at the end of the first year the following, and I quote, As one small candle may light a thousand, so the light kindled here has shone unto many, yea, in some sort to a whole nation. We have noted these things so that you might see their worth and not negligently lose what your forefathers have obtained with so much hardship. I like that. I wish our children and grandchildren could hear that and understand that. Now fast forward another 150 years. It's August 29th of 1776. And General Howe and the British troops have General Washington and the Continental Army trapped on Long Island. As night fell that evening, Washington and his 8,000 men appeared to be out of aces. There was no escape route, apparently, and 15,000 of General Howe British soldiers stood in their way. Friends, the war was one night from being over. But that night, coincidentally, a dense fog rolled in covering the entire island. This fog cover allowed Washington and all 8,000 troops to escape using fishing boats just a few at a time. It took the whole night, but the fog lasted all night. And in the morning, they had escaped and lived to fight another day. So I say without the fog, there wouldn't have been a Valley Forge the following winter. Without that fog, there wouldn't have been a Declaration of Independence. The war would have ended that night. Now, friends, a fog and a plague are two fairly common occurrences in our world. But what makes these two miracles is their divine timing. In his book, Peter Marshall gives over a hundred examples of God's divine timing in the establishment of this great country. Get that book and read it. The light and the glory, you'll be blessed. But they all lead to the same conclusion. And that conclusion simply is God blessed America so America would be a launching pad for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the why. So quickly in closing, how has America done with this assignment? You and I watch the same news in the evening. We read the same newspapers. Our hearts have been broken as we watch our country in the direction it appears on the surface to be going. 
left-leaning liberals, politically correct agendas. When will the good, good guys win again? Some good news. In the last 244 years, the United States of America has sent more missionaries to the other countries of the world than all the countries of the world combined. The last year we had accurate statistics was 2010, and in 2010, America sent 127,000 Christian missionaries to other countries. 127,000. Second place was Brazil with 32. Add up all the rest, they don't equal 127,000. So regardless of how it looks on the surface, the Christian churches in America have kept the main thing, the main thing. We have continued to send out workers to the harvest. And God has continued to bless our country. I know you like, I feel like things are just out of control. Like we're going the wrong direction. But I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the Church of Jesus Christ in America. It's stronger than ever. It has kept the faith. It has continued to send missionaries to the world. There are over three billion Christians on planet Earth at this point. And to a great extent, that's a result of the United States. People we've sent out in the name of Christ. You see, John 14, 6 is pretty clear. There, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. And down through the years, people have argued, is that true or not? I choose to believe it's true. America has chosen to believe it's true. The churches in America have believed it's true. And that's why we've sent people out to tell others, Jesus is the way. He's not American, he's not Caucasian, he's not Western, but he is God's son. And he came to die in our place for our sins, that our past might be forgiven, that our present might have strength for whatever we're facing, that our future might have hope, and we might be reminded that this life is not the end. My prayer is that our Christian churches in America would not forget to keep the main thing, the main thing. Because the God established and blessed this country that we might be the launching pad for the gospel. We have been. May we remember, may we keep the course, and may God continue to bless this great country, the United States of America, until our Lord returns again. Amen and amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.